is your favorite sport basketball and what is your favorite football team jets who's your favorite player uh that's a good question i probably said lebron and what is a secret that you haven't told anybody Uh, i don't know i can't i'm drawing a blank and nothing i would want to share with you uh no secrets i don't have secrets and what secrets are you hiding from your girlfriend? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> nothing. Yeah, nothing. Ah, uh, welcome, welcome. And guess what? We're not talking about sports. So uh, let's get started with this uh, interesting topic of uh, secrets. Uh, we all have secrets, and none of us is eager to take off that mask anywhere on the street, uh, but that's certainly true in church. And very often when it comes to uh, being vulnerable in that way in terms of our deep, dark uh, secrets and parts of us, uh, the closest we get to revealing ourselves is to say, like, I have this friend. I have this friend. Have you ever heard of something called Post Secret? Uh, It's an ongoing project created about 13 years ago by a guy named Frank Warren. And uh, the whole thing is uh, about people sending in secrets, written secrets anonymously on homemade postcards uh, to an address of uh, Frank Warren in Ridgefield, Maryland. And uh, people decorate the, uh, the postcards and then express a secret that they do anonymously and they've never shared with anyone else and it is truthful. And the posted secrets now number in the millions. Uh, I'd like to show you a few of these uh, post secrets and some of them are funny like this one. Uh, Once I was asked by a doctor if I was hearing voices. The voice inside my head shouted, tell him no! I think, I, I think that's supposed to be funny. Uh, here's a, another one. Uh, I don't care about recycling, but I pretend to. Uh, then there's some secrets that are rather sad, like this one. I send myself flowers on Valentine's Day so people at work will think that I am dating someone. And then some of the uh, secrets are actually heartbreaking. Uh, like, I tell people I'm an atheist, but I really believe I'm going to hell. He's been in prison for two years because of what I did. Nine more to go. And then many, many of these secrets uh, reveal that the person has deep, deep self-condemnation, like this one. When I was three years old, my dad liked it when I brushed his thick red hair. One day, he asked me to brush his hair, 
but I said I didn't want to. That night, my dad died. I am 65, and somehow I still think it was my fault. What's your reaction to this last secret? What's your reaction to this person who is chained to a burden of guilt and regret that he or she has been carrying for over 60 years? Uh, I'll tell you my reaction. Uh, My reaction is, I wish I could help this person. Help this person just release this burden of guilt and regret. Uh, Receive self-forgiveness or forgiveness from God and come out of the devastating darkness and into the light of true freedom. And if I feel this way about a person I have never met who shares a secret anonymously, how much more do you think the one who loves you the most, the one who loves you the most and knows you the most, wants you to be free from your darkest, ugliest, dirtiest secret. The one who loves you the most is here right now. The one who loves you the most proved it by dying for you. The one who loves you the most is Jesus. And today, he wants to break your secret chains and set you free. The post-secret project demonstrates that we all have secrets, including ones that fill us with shame and regret and guilt and imprison us in those things. I don't know what your secrets are. After all, they're the secrets. But I do know what your secrets do to you because they do the same to me. I know that your darkest secrets cause separation because secrets are all about wearing a mask, all about hiding, all about putting up walls to conceal uh, so I don't see uh, what I don't want to see and so others certainly don't see uh, the parts of me that I am ashamed of. Secrets cause separation. For example, my secrets separate me from the community that I desperately need. The Gospels uh, in the Bible record how Jesus loved meeting people. And Jesus especially sought out people with secrets. As we uh, find in the Gospel of John, where uh, John writes this account about an an encounter that Jesus had with a woman. Uh, And it starts in verse 4 of John 4. Now Jesus had to go through Samaria, and tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? And the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman, how can you ask me for a drink? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And Jesus told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. 
And Jesus said to her, you are right when you say that you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Jesus loves seeking out people with secrets. People like this Samaritan woman, uh, who we know was separating herself from the community that she needed. And we find this true because we can see it in the details of the story. One detail is the time of day. Jesus came looking for her around noon. Jesus knew that he would find her at this well by herself when nobody came to the well. Hundreds got their water at this well all day long. It was a very famous, well-known well, but nobody wanted to do it at noon. Drawing water is hard work, and nobody wanted to do it at the hottest part of the day. But this woman came at noon because she had secrets. Um, she had enough of being rejected in life, and so she separated herself from the community by coming at noon. But by separating herself from community, she was cutting herself off from exactly what she needed to heal. And certainly, it's what you and I need. Uh, depending on your secret, uh, we have a living free group where Jesus will set you free through community. That's how God does it. He sets us free through each other as we engage in community. Our Living Free groups meet on Thursday nights, and you can sign up at the Next Step booth, or you can go to brc.church to join. Don't let your secret separate you from the community that you need. That's what this Samaritan woman was doing, but that's not all. She was also uh, living in a way that demonstrates the truth that my secrets separate me from the healing for which I thirst. When you get a chance, would you read this uh, conversation, the full conversation between Jesus and this Samaritan woman? And when you do, uh, you'll hear this woman hissing out many lines like this one uh, that we have recorded here. Uh, How can you ask me for a drink? Line after line, she is pushing, pushing the living water of Jesus away from her. That's what secret keeping does. My secret keeping is like salt water. It's like drinking salt water, which is uh, the act of drinking water, which actually does the opposite of quenching my thirst. It actually makes it worse. Secrets are the same way. Secrets prevent healing in my life, all the healing that God wants to do in me. Julia's secret is that she was abused. The healing she needs is to have at least one healthy relationship with someone where she can give and receive a love that is uh, unconditional. But Julia's secret makes her bitter and angry. And just like this Samaritan woman, her bitterness is designed to push people away so she does not get hurt again. And it ends up separating her from the healing relationships that she thirsts to have. John and his secret is that he was bullied when he was a teenager. And the healing he needs is to have at least one faithful friend. 
but his secret separates him by pushing him to keep wearing the mask, wearing the mask that he's tough and that he doesn't need anyone, even though inside he's dying to have a friend. Sophia is secretly ashamed of her child's disabilities. She actually thinks to herself, she wishes she had a different child. And she weeps, what kind of mother am I? And she feels so much guilt, such that she hates herself. Sophia could experience freedom, healing, if she would just share her secret with a trusted friend, someone who would care about her. But her secret won't let her. Her secret keeps her in this deathly silence. Jesus seeks out people like Julia and John and Sophia and like you. Jesus seeks to heal you. One of the ways that Jesus does this healing is by showing his unconditional love to us in a way that frees us so that we can actually have the courage to speak to another human being uh, about our secret. Uh, he gives us the strength to share that secret with a trusted friend or a, a professional counselor or with a prayer team member here at the front after worship service or in our prayer room. Actually, in our prayer room, uh, we have not only our regular prayer team, but also some licensed counselors who are ready to just speak with you, spend a moment with you if you have something you would like to unburden today. Jesus calls me to the healing that comes when I drag my secret out of the dark and into the light. And when I drag my secret into the light by sharing it with one other person, suddenly the light makes that secret powerless. This is what Jesus was trying to do with the woman at the well, and yet she almost succeed, succeeded in pushing the, way, the one who had the power to heal her away. That's what secrets do. My secrets separate me from the living water of Jesus. The Samaritan woman gave a stiff arm to Jesus, but Jesus didn't give up. Jesus kept on engaging with her, and in the process, she realized that Jesus knew all her secrets and that he still loved her unconditionally and fully accepted her. We know that this woman received Jesus' living water because this is how the story ends. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. Then the townspeople said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know this man really is the savior of the world. He told me everything I ever did. Don't miss the significance of this statement. She is not saying that Jesus knew just about her sad love life. No. When she says, he knew everything I ever did, this is exactly what she meant. I don't know how Jesus did it, but Jesus communicated to her that he knew everything in her life, past and present. 
And despite all her dark and dirty and ugly secrets, Jesus loved her completely and accepted her unconditionally. And my question for you is this. Are you drinking in this living water of God's love and grace in Jesus? I am not asking if you believe that God loves the whole world. I'm asking if you believe that God knows your secrets and yet loves you in Jesus completely and accepts you unconditionally. I'm, I'm asking do you really drink in this living water? I'm not asking, do you think it's possible for someone to receive this thirst-quenching love of Jesus? I'm asking if you, if you are drinking this living water in a way that sets you free and gives you something to go around town talking about. Today, Jesus invites you to the same beautiful exchange that totally transformed this woman's life. Here's the beautiful exchange. I give Jesus my darkest, ugliest secrets, and Jesus gives me his beautiful, releasing grace. Jesus has this exchange in mind when he says in Matthew 11, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Maybe you cannot speak about your secret with another human being, but you still can bring your secret into the light by telling Jesus and receive his releasing rest in exchange. And today, Jesus invites you to experience this firsthand. Jesus invites you to give him your secret. And here is how it's going to work. It's, uh, it involves this little card. You see this card that's in your uh, bulletin? Would you take that card out right now? Uh, and this is what we're going to do. Uh, you, you're going to put on this card uh, your secret. You can use code. Uh, you know, use code. You can use shorthand. Uh, if you need a pen, raise your hand. I think there's ushers that are uh, ready to give you a pen if you want to use a pen. Uh, just write down that secret that uh, you and, and Jesus can understand the language that you're using. And uh, you're going to, in a moment, uh, fold that up, and we're going to give it a, uh, into the offering basket, and it's going to go away forever, be destroyed. Uh, but while you're thinking about what you're going to write on that card, let me just tell you a story. Robert Munger uh, wrote a short story entitled, My Heart, Christ's Home. And I've uh, reimagined this story a little bit, and uh, it goes like this. When Jesus came into my life, he brought incredible joy. He lit all the dark interiors of my life, and he brought life where I was cold and dead. And I said, Jesus, I want you to be the master of my life. I want you to make my heart your home. So let me show you around my heart home. And so I brought Jesus to the study of my mind. And instantly, he read the entire library of my study and the thoughts that were on those shelves. And Jesus looked concerned. And I said, Jesus, what's wrong? And Jesus said, you've got shelves and shelves of thoughts that need to go. You have textbooks filled with shame and regret 
and anger and bitterness. You've got old magazines filled with pictures that are disturbing you and robbing you of peace. And I knew the books and magazines that he had in mind. At first, I didn't want to let them go, but as I thumbed through them again, I agreed. Jesus, you're right. I've got to let these things go. And so together, Jesus and I threw out those volumes and instead on those shelves put uh, volumes of his word and thoughts that were good and beautiful and uh, adventure stories for my life together with Jesus. And after this scene in the study, I wanted to impress Jesus. And so I took him to my trophy room. Uh, here I had displayed all my medals and my uh, accomplishments in forms of uh, loving cups. And to my shock, Jesus said, we need to gather all this stuff up together too. And I said, you're not going to throw these trophies out, are you? And Jesus said, no, no. What we're going to do is we're going to melt them down and make them into tools. Because all these accomplishments were given to you for the Father's glory and for you to serve others. So Jesus melted down my medals and my awards and formed them into tools so that my trophy room became a workshop. And I have to admit that my workshop was so much more fun than the trophy room ever was. Next, we walked into the kitchen and we talked about my appetites and we did this all through uh, the house. And finally, Jesus stopped short. And he looked as if he caught a whiff of something that was overpowering in terms of a foul odor. And he pointed to a tiny hall closet and said, it's in there. And I was upset. I said, Jesus, I have unlocked every door in my house and this tiny little closet is all I want for me. And Jesus said, please, let me help. There's something dead in there. And the closet held my secrets. The ugly parts of me that I could never reveal to anyone. The closet held the secrets that made me feel insecure and damaged and unloved. And I hated the thought of opening that closet door. But the thoughts of what that dead and rotting stuff was doing to me was even more overwhelming. So I gave Jesus the closet key. And he opened the door. And the smell was overwhelming. He brought out those secret things. He dragged them into the light where they completely lost their stench and power. Jesus took it all and he cleaned my closet. And when it was over, we hugged each other with relief. Without that stench in the air, I was able to finally think clearly. And I could see how the closet cleaning was Jesus extending his grace to me. He was showing me that he was the one person who knew everything, all my ugly secrets, and yet completely loved me. Without that smell, I could see that having at least one person who loves me enough to clean my closet sets me apart as a forgiven child of God in this world. I could see that the moment I gave Jesus my closet key was the moment that I became truly free. We want to thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online. And we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church. 
know that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And also uh, know that you can give uh, to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your uh, donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have uh, these videos online and for us to impact our community.